Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. White oak's the best. White oak's the, the most palatable one. They, you know, they, it's, it's the preferred acorn in the woods. And so the, what's going on with white oak has, uh, is important not only for an industry that uses it, like bourbon, sure. right? But it's also, you know, it's important for your deer herd. <laughs> yeah. So. back here at Bourbon on the Banks, and thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you to the Waypoint Network for having us. This is a live event that we are out here, so there will be some background noise, and we're joined with a very special guest that we've been trying to get on for quite some time. Why don't you introduce yourself? Sure, I'd be glad to. It's, it's great to be here. Like I say, we're outside. It's a great venue, you know, and, and, and certainly look forward to being able to talk a little bit and, uh, about what we're doing with White Oak, and uh, I'm Jeff Stringer. I'm chair of the Department of Forestry and Natural Resources at the University of Kentucky, and been involved with forestry and white oak uh, since about 1983. Wow. And, uh, we, do a, we do a lot of work on both research and science delivery, technology, and, you know, and basically helping landowners manage white oak right? yeah. and producing things that help them do that. Um, working with loggers on how to make sure we're harvesting the woods, you know, in the manner mm-hmm. it needs to be. And, and, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about the white oak initiative that we're in, but but ultimately getting information out to uh, all those that are, that are, have interest in or are dependent upon white oak and the distilling industry and uh, bourbon industry in my state, Kentucky, right? That's uh, is very dependent upon uh, that particular species to, to make barrels and to, and to mature the, the whiskey. Right? Yeah, we wanted to start kind of from this angle because a lot of people talk about the finished product, but nobody really pays attention to what's going into it to get there. And so before you, we had a cooperage on. So now we're taking one step back into the actual wood part. I mean, a lot of people have heard about the shortage. And that's the reason the White Oak Initiative was kind of founded. And we've been, I don't, we've probably been explaining it wrong. But we've basically been saying that no one's taking care of these trees that we're going to need 30, 40 years from now. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's, so that's partially right. right? Yeah. And so we'll cool. explain that a little bit. But I think, I think you're right on the very front end of it. You know, people... You know, you drink the bourbon, whatever, you drink the whiskey, right? Whatever, right, yeah, of course. Jack Daniels or whatever, right? And uh, and you, you don't, people don't think about, it's like a lot of things, they don't think about what goes in to make this, right? And with bourbon, because it matures so long in a white oak cask, um, charred white oak cask, you know, 70% of that flavor profile that's in that bourbon is coming out of wood. Yep. Okay. And obviously you have to have the barrel there to hold hold liquid and you know, right, age yeah. it in. Um, <laughs> but that, that flavor, of course, all the color, comes from comes from wood so really i tell i tell people i get in trouble with this but i tell them well really it's a wood product 
right? Yeah. So the corn people don't want to hear about that, right? So you can't do it without corn. So I'm, I understand that. But, sure. you know, so, so you know, water, corn, and, and other small grains, right? Mixed with it, you got to be at least, you know, 51% corn. Sure. And, and wood and white oak. And that's how you make bourbon. Right. So, you know, that a lot of, uh, a lot of the industry, when I speak of the industry, in this case, distilling industry, um, really had for a long time been disconnected from the woods. You know, they bought barrels um, and from a supplier, sure. right? So they, they had a natural disconnect, okay? But they're very much dependent upon that resource, right? So what happened, I, so I'll give a little background, and we'll talk about the, what, what the White Oak Initiative is, but I think it's good to get a little background on, like, how it came to be. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting story, and it's really, it, it's, it's, it's a story about how, Partnerships come together for those that are that are dependent upon this this you know this tree species right yeah really coming together to work on long term sustainability and it doesn't happen very often so you know it's um, what happens is uh, you know it we started to talk to the distillers and others about you know the white oak supply so we monitor there's programs in place all across the U S that monitors you know, what the forest is doing, you know, what species are growing, you know, and you can kind of predict out what's regenerating, what's not. And you can kind of chart a path for forest, you know, all over the U.S. Well, we've known for a long time that oaks, which are very dominant, you know, in the eastern U.S. and hardwoods, you know, and hardwood sites, sure. a lot of the, a lot of the trees growing in the forest are going to be oaks of various different species, white oak included in them. Yeah. But we've known for a long time since the 80s that oaks were having a hard time regenerating. So we got these great forests, you know, with big old trees in them, right? Producing acorns, all that kind of stuff, you know, but they're not regenerating well, okay? And when you go to cut them, you know, they're not coming back in oak. And and we've known this for a long time. The biologists have and the foresters and all of us that work in that, you know? And and when we started to see a lot of interest by industry of, of increased cutting, increased harvesting and utilization of white, which is all good. Sure. Uh, but when we started noticing that, we thought, okay, we, we need to start paying attention to this, <laughs> this right. issue yeah. of availability. So, And what, what kind of got this whole White Oak initiative started, and I'll explain what it is here in a minute, but what, what it got started was we, were, um, we, we report annually about, we do a, do a forestry, like economic report, right? And when, as part of that, we talk about the total contribution of, of in this case, for Kentucky, Um you know, contribution of the forest industry to Kentucky. And we, we talk about commodity prices, where it's been this year, where it's going next year, all sure. those kind of things. And, yeah. and back in 2012, we started really start seeing a, a, a sustained increase in the price of what we call stave logs. So, it's, you know, saves vertical partner barrel, right? Mm-hmm. So you make them out of, cut them out of logs. We call them stave logs. So we saw, start to see an in, a pretty good increase that, that it sustained itself for a couple of years, you know, and, and if you look at the worldwide projections back then of, of bourbon, or excuse me, whiskey, overtaking vodka, you know, as the, as the most sought after and, you know, produced distillate, you know, it was pretty clear that we were, we were on a demand curve here, mm-hmm. you know, for white oak. And so we started reporting that, and that really got the attention of a number of the big distilleries that are making bourbon. And um, I, had, I had conversations with them. I said, well, we got lots of white oak out there now, which we do right now, right? Um, mm-hmm. But you're putting, there's pressure putting on it. And not just, it's not just pressure from the bourbon industry. Sure. It's costly, right? right. right. 
it's just pressure overall. White oaks, be, I mean, you use it for flooring and furniture and this and sure. that and veneer and whatever, right? So it's the culmination of all that, right? right? So it's not like the bourbon industry is causing a problem with this. Right. They're just one of the many that needs it. Of course. Right? Of course. Use it. And so the bottom line was we did a couple meetings on this where we got the information on what was going on and explained it uh, to uh, distillers and forest industry and conservation groups and agencies and everything about, you know, what's going on, what we project, you know, going in the future as far as having white oak out in the woods. And and from the industry standpoint, you know, having it there, you know, and available to it, yeah. right, mm-hmm. you know. And, of course, you know, what the, the great thing about white oak as a species is really it's an important species throughout the U.S., a lot of upland hardwoods forest um but it's also it's the most palatable acorn for wildlife yeah so when you think about you know acorns and what it means to you know whether it's you know whether it's the whether it's something that you hunt you know whether it's rough grouse or deer or turkey sure um they all eat acorns they're eating all the seeds white oaks the best white oaks the the most palatable one they you know they it's it's the preferred acorn in the woods and so the, what's going on with white oak has, uh, is important not only for an industry that uses it, like bourbon, sure. right? But it's also, you know, it's important for your deer herd, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. you know, and the hunters <laughs> and, you know, non-game species too. And we do a lot of work on, you know, how to harvest timber and protect bats. And so we got bats that using it, you know, you got songbirds that are using it, yeah. you know, and some of those are, are even, you know, listed, threatened, endangered, right? So. The white oak plays a really important part in the ecosystem, okay? And the forest that it dominates and grows in gives us clean water and everything else, right? Of course. So it's one of those species that everybody can get behind, right? Mm-hmm. Industry can get behind it. Sure. Conservation groups get behind it. Wildlife gets behind it. So it's like a win-win as sure. far as trying to build partnerships, right? And we realized there was a lot of interest from the industry. and from We run, we ran these meetings back in 2015, 2017, mm-hmm. where basically all these people were there. And uh, all these, you know, geographically from all over the place and, you know, industry and conservation groups like the Nature Conservancy, for example, you know, and your your national forest people and, you know, all that kind of thing. Right. So they're all there. And basically we're putting all this information from that, hey, there is going to, there's a decline in the in the reproduction of our oaks, including white oak. And eventually it's going to catch up. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that, and it's a, it's a, it's a biological function of what's going on in the woods. And I explain it pretty easily but yeah but the, the fact of the matter is you know the harvesting that's going on now and the utilization of it that the the lack of oak regeneration would occur whether that was going on or not right uh, yeah so so it's just a biological function of our of our woods in the u.s in the eastern u.s aging um and uh causing this and of course if you're dependent upon that that makes a difference right? yeah so it's not an issue that oh all of a sudden we're 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 harvesting more white oak and we're cutting more acres and all of a sudden it's making it go away. No, it's a biological <laughs> problem. Um, you're just along for the ride. The industry sure. is just along for the ride, you know? So the bottom line is we, we kind of got this information in, in front of everybody. And, uh, you know, in 20, when we had the meeting in 2017, I said, you know, it's time for us to start doing something about it. let's form a partnership. Let's do something, you know? So we're all talking, right? Yeah. So you can understand what these issues are and, you know, we just make sure we're communicating really well sure. about it. And and it was from that, um, the American Forest Foundation, um, which is uh, which runs the American tree farm system, which some people may have heard about. But it's a it's a uh, it's a it's a system that's been in place since in the 40s to encourage, you know, good management of our forest, right? American tree farm system. So 
the, the president of that organization myself. Uh, we saw the uh, the interest that was going on here with this, and uh, and along with uh, what's called Dendry Fund. So that's a uh, it's it's basically a philanthropic organization associated with Brown Foreman, but mm-hmm. independent as well. Um, uh, understood, you know, the need for sustainability of White Oak, right? Um, and um, and uh, together, uh, the three entities: University of Kentucky, in my case, mm-hmm. my department, and uh, American Forest Foundation, and uh, Dendry Fund. Uh, it's based out here in Louisville, where Brown Foreman's at. Kind of came together to form the White Oak Initiative. Okay. And so, basically, what that is, um, it is a a loose group, uh, a collaborative, if you will, of all those that have interest in White Oak. Sure. Whether it's distilling industries, cooperages that make barrels, regular forest industries making flooring, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wildlife like a, a national, you know. Wild Turkey Federation, you know, uh, was yeah, yep. you know, rough grass, all yeah, that, that right? National so, Deer Association. Yeah, when we yeah. looked at the list, it yeah. was like these are all of our people. Like, yeah, yeah. everything <laughs> we care about in one foundation. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really good mix. And I mean, you got you got West Rock, which is a pulp, big, large pulp and paper. Okay, you know, yeah. so we got everybody. You yeah. know, what's well, important? It's, yeah. it, and it, it's like you said, it's something that it affects so many different industries. It's it's. It's re- it'd be really hard to not get behind it. It seems. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of reasons to for for people to be concerned about it in the right way, right, and come together. And so that so we formed what's called the White Oak Initiative, and you go to whiteoakinitiative.org, right? So mm-hmm. you can you can check it out. But um, uh, but and so the bottom line is we we all came together and um, and we started supporting. Uh, things that could help us with white oak sustainability, right? Keeping white oak in the woods over, right. over time. And that involves supporting research, right? On So we know what's going on and, and develop ways to, to help white oak stay in the woods, you know, uh, with policy. Like, is there enough um, farm bill money, for example, you know, money for assistance for uh, forest, for woodland owners to, to, to do the practices they need to do, spend the money they need now they're family money, right? Sure, so now, sure. so that society can benefit from that eighty years from now, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you get, and there's those kind of long-term conservation programs will get assistance from the federal government. So, is there money there to do that stuff? So we look at the initiative, make sure the policymakers know the importance of that. You know, we're working on the farm bill now, make sure there's stuff in there for forestry, right? right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's an ag, it's an ag commodity if you want to view it that way, right? Sure. So, um, so the initiative does a lot of different things like that yeah you know and it's a basically it's just a partnership that's all it is of those that care about white oak for various for all the different reasons sure. that care about them you know so we come together and we've been able to um been able to secure grants um and, you know and put both uh money match money for example from industry and that kind of thing into grants that that i've been able to get the university of kentucky or american you know american forest foundation been able to get you know so we've been able to pull money in to get projects going you know, to help us. So the initiative is, is unusual in that it's, you know, it's not, it's not federally mandated. It's not a state thing, right? It's just those that care about white oak coming together to try to do something about it. And that doesn't happen very often. That's about as coordinated, coordinated work. (laughs) That's hard to do. And you all play well together. Yeah. Right now, right now everybody's playing well. Yeah. Yeah, Right. That's that's a good thing. Right. It's a good thing. So, you know, it's it's really funny. A lot of people don't understand. You know, when we talk about well, we got lots of white oak 
now, and I mentioned before, it's going away, you know, and I said it's a biological issue, and everybody's like, well, wait a minute, what is that? You know, yeah. how does that work? And it's hard to put these things in a sound bite sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. um, but what happened is, if and, and most this is common sense for most people to understand, so if you think about a lot of our, uh, you walk in a woods, uh, an oak woods, for example, you know, a lot of those overstory trees, right, they're up there 80, 100 foot tall, you know, they're going to be, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100 years old. Yeah. Right. So think about it. What what was going on in back 80, 90 or 100 years ago in this country, right? And the way we treated the land back then and before then, sure. right, determines what the overstar, what our forest composition looks like now, right? Okay. Right. So conditions were in place back then historically. We were burning the woods all the time just because yeah. that's what we did, right? So <laughs> by accident or on purpose, right? Sure. There's lots of, a lot of disturbance, burning, grazing in yep. the woods, right? All those things. Well, oak likes disturbance, okay? Um, when you do those kind of things, what you do, if you think about it, you, you run a little continuous light fires through a forest, you know, or, or um, you know, you got hogs grazing out there, cattle, whatever. What, what it's going to do is it's going to kill out. It won't kill the big trees. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, sometimes the grazing doesn't do them very much good or hard fires don't either, but they're, sure. they're going to stay. But what you'll do is you'll kill out all the understory and stuff, mm -hmm. okay? And what that does is that allows a certain amount of light on the forest floor. Okay, because all that undergrowth and everything is leaf area, if you think about it that way, close mm -hmm. to the forest floor, puts a lot of shade on the ground. Okay. And when you've got when you've got that there, then the then the acorns hit the ground, little they sprout, you got a little seedling, it's got like three leaves on it the first year, you know. And if it stays in the, too much in the dark, it'll die out. So you have great acorn crops, seedlings start, they'll they'll live for a while, then right. they'll pair all die out. Then you have another bumper crop of acorns, and here we come. Get a bunch of seedlings, you know. Get ten thousand per acre, you <laughs> yeah. know. But three, four, five years later, you got two, you know. Yeah. And so, um, but back in the day, you know, and in in think in terms of mid, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen, all that disturbance was cleaning all that out. Yeah. So if you, if you think about what happened uh, back in the, you know, mid eighteen hundreds, late eighteen uh, hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, when the conditions were in place that generated the force we had now. Sure. You know, there was all that burning going on, grazing and everything else. And it, basically what it did is it kind of cleared that understory out. Well, that allowed, uh, you know, a light regime, if you will, if you want to use that term, right? Uh -huh. That that when the acorns hit the ground and they, you know, and they, um, you know, sprout into young seedlings and stuff, you had enough light there, filtered light, right, that the acorns, you know, that the seedlings continued to grow mm -hmm. in size. So then they got big enough. They got three foot tall, four foot tall. They got a you know, eventually 20 foot tall and an inch around diameter, whatever. And then if you cut the overstory, now the oak can regenerate itself because it has that, what we call advanced generation. It's seedlings mm -hmm. and saplings right. present in that oak forest that can take over, right? But it, it, but if they're real small, like a foot tall or something, two or three years old, they don't have enough vigor to compete with the, sure. the competitors. So that's, that's the reason we have the amount of oak that we do in white oak in the forest right now. So it's all good, right? Well, so... Smoky Bear comes along, right? Yeah. And we're not burning the woods all willy-nilly like anymore, mm -hmm. you know. Um, we're not grazing hogs in the woods. We're not grazing cattle in the woods. So okay. all that all that abuse, what we would term as abuse, right, and disturbance has gone away. And when you do that, and so that's been in, that's been going on for 50 years now, right, mm -hmm. okay, or whatever, you know, something like that. And so it, anyway, as that goes away, then what happens is all those species that like to live in that understory started to reestablish themselves. Think in terms of you walk through a woods, and for those that know their tree species, they're just a little bit, right, can 
identify a hickory from a telephone pole, you know, <laughs> right. percent of the time, right? So what'll happen is you'll get, you'll notice that the species that are underneath a lot of woods that we have are things like maples, like sugar red maple, those kind of beech, right? Mm -hmm. So those are all species that can thrive or live well in the shade. Mm -hmm. And they have thin bark. Those species have thin bark. So think of fire. Mm -hmm. So when you're burning back in the, you know, 1800s and whatever, right? Yeah. Those thin bark species are going to move them out over time, right? And well, they've started to come back. And, and so while we've, so we've started to take care of the woods, not abuse it, do all these great practices, you know, which Oak doesn't like. Right. <laughs> so, and so um, we, we see these understories now that have really well-developed forests that have really well-developed understories, mid-stories and all those kind of things of those yeah. other species, right? That are, that are shading the ground enough uh, that it's stopping the, uh, the development uh, of the oak, you know, seedlings and saplings. Right. And then when you cut the forest and if you don't, you know, have those big seedlings and saplings and stuff, man, you got a problem, right? We've seen that too with the kudzu. They put out to stop kind of the mountains from eroding yeah. away. And now right. the kudzu's taken over because nothing's eating it and it's killing everything. Yeah, because it's good to eat too. It's full of nitrogen, right? So it's what a, I was told you can eat it. Oh, it yeah, no, it's, it's good me. fodder, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, so let's not plant it for that. But I mean, yeah, you can right. use it for that, right? So, yeah, I mean, and so what's happening is, though, what, what, what I've described is happening over millions of acres. I mean, this is just a land use pattern, right? It's a biological system that we've got that, that, you know, is responding the way you would predict it would, right? right. So Mother Nature's doing her thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, and, it, and so what it will mean, will oak go extinct? Well, no. Well, why don't go extinct? No, but, but it's going to decrease in its amount is what it amounts to. Right. So this is not an issue of, Oh, we got to save the species from, it's not a California condor, right? right. It's not yeah. going away, but the prevalence of it is going to be diminished. Right. And so now, you know, if you're, if you're trying to make hardwood, white oak, hardwood flooring, or you're, this and that, or you're trying to make a barrel right? mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to, to mature your raw whiskey and make bourbon, right? You got you got an issue coming that you got to right. think about, right? And so we know the prac. We know that you know we're not going to say, okay, everybody just start lighting matches and throwing them out, the, you know, in the fall and like we're going <laughs> to burn everything, right? So that's not going to happen. Or we're not going to put a bunch of hogs out there grazing, rummaging mm -hmm. around, whatnot, sure. right? Um, you know, and and so we but we do know management practice so we knew we do know forest management practice we've got many of them that can help take care of this problem so how much how can you foster so, so we know the science behind what's going on we can develop management you know prescriptions if you will or management plans right forest management strategies um to provide that light regime that the seedlings need at the right time so they can you know, they can grow and the whole thing can regenerate, right? So we know those practices. It's called good forest management, right? So we know those practices. Technically, it's called silviculture. So you got ag agriculture. You think of crop culturing, right? Right, right. Silva means forestry. So silviculture, culture oh, and forestry. So, I've right? never heard that. Learned yeah. something new. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you learned something new, so, right? So, um, and so we know those practices. So now what can we do to get the, 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 as many landowners as we can educated on this, interested in it right and to do those management practices right yeah and 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 that's an uphill slug man i mean you're you know you're talking about a small landowner maybe owns 100 acres 50 acres of you know of upland oak woods white oak woods yeah and and you're asking them to do some practices that hey man you know 80 years from now we're going to keep this white oak in here right yeah. and they're yeah. like you know i don't know 63 years old right yeah. so don't so care. how does that work right <laughs> so um and so it's a tough slug you know, there's slog to get yeah. that done, you know, and 
And so you need you need you need incentive you need incentives from industry, right? Right. Um, to try to help do the things they can do to promote good logging. You know, we 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 instruct a lot of loggers, and we've got a program for loggers right now on on white oak. You know, here's how it grows, here's how it works. You know, when you're out there harvesting a stand, which it's not their response, it's not a logger's responsibility to manage the woods. Right. They're responsible to get the wood out. Sure. The, the woodland owner owns the woods, right? right? And and the logger's responding to the woodland owner. You know, woodland owner says, man, I want everything merchantable out of there. That's what the logger's going to do. Sure. Whether it's good or bad for white oak, doesn't matter, right? Right. But, but at least letting the loggers know the little things they can do to help is good. Right. And then trying to get to all the landowners. So you got to have industry involved in providing incentives, right? You got to have the federal government there that can pump some money into this for long-term conservation. We got the programs there to do that, right? Sure. Um, you got to have enough foresters that can help the landowners do all this, right? So your state agencies, right? No matter what, the, you know, all the states in the East, we all have state forestry agencies, you know, whether it's, a, you know, the you know, South Carolina Forestry Commission, right? Or the North Carolina, for, or the Kentucky Division of Forestry, right? So do you have enough foresters there that can help do all this, right? You know, and so you got to get everybody, you know, everybody that's involved in this, the owners, the users, you know, the technical service, the people at the university, am I generating the right information, right? Sure. You know, out there to get all this done. So it takes everybody coming together to deal with these long-term conservation issues. It's not a simple thing. And you can't simply plant your way out of it. A lot of people say, well, can we start? I had, I remember when I first talked to one of the distilleries, they had the board had me in to talk to them to explain what was going on after we'd reported these higher prices. And I yeah. said, well, we got to watch the supply. Right. And they, and they asked me, I said, well, yeah, one of them said, and it was dead serious. You know, Jeff, do I need to go to Missouri buy a hundred thousand acres and start planting white oak? <laughs> I said, well, you know, you could do that, but man, that's a, that's an uphill battle. That's right? an extreme commitment. I, I said, that would be extreme commitment. I said, I said, the better thing is let's work together to promote the natural regeneration, right? That's already out the natural systems and let's sure. do the thing. Now we've got big genetic studies going on, you know, and we can't, you can use planting and stuff to help augment, you know, and enhance and those kind of things, but you're not going to plant your way out of this like you would loblolly pine down South. Mm-hmm. You know, you're yeah. just not going to do that. Uh, white Oak, unfortunately for us is a slow grower. Sure. Now the bear, now if you're in the barrel manufacturer, slow growth, is good, right? So right. narrow rings, Means you get good tight barrels, right? right yeah. Which you like, and you cut down that angel shares business, right? Yep. Um, you know, but it also means it takes a long time to get there. So we've watched uh, people dis- discuss the because it's a hot topic in the bourbon thing, but we've watched people discuss it, and they're like, "Well, maybe they'll switch to red oak. I mean, or we'll plant some trees, and in six to eight years, we'll be out of it." And it's I don't think people understand. Yeah. <laughs> you can't use those woods, yeah. and it takes. I mean, how how young is a tree before you can harvest it? Thirty, yeah, so, forty. Oh no, it's more than that. So most stave logs, be, if, you, if you look at the age of the stave logs are being cut down, right? To make it to barrels. They're anywhere between 80 and 120. Wow. Okay. Because think about it. If you try to grow it too fast, now you've got, so this is, this is an important thing. We mentioned this ring with business uh, a minute ago, but um, you know, to make good barrels, um, they need to be tight. So mm-hmm. it's really funny about white oak. And I think most of the listeners can understand it. So if you think about it for a second, so, we have two issues with white at one. You have to make a barrel out of it that actually actually can hold liquid mm-hmm. for two years or four, or just a day, right? Right. Just a day, right. But it's going to hold it for two years, four years, five, Pappy Van Winkle, 23, whatever it is. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've got a physical issue, right? A structural issue. So you, you've got to be able to hold liquid. And then of course, with the charring and everything else, 
um, you, you in that maturation process sitting in the barn with the raw whiskey you shoot in there, right? It's leaching stuff, if you will, out mm-hmm. of that wood. And there's all kinds of chemical processes going on, but that what's, what gives it the mellowness of the taste and all those kind of things. So you have you have a taste profile issue that white oak gives you the taste you want, right? right, right. So you got this chemical taste profile and structurally, how do we make a barrel, right? So you got to get all that working, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so you know, you mentioned red oak. If you try to make a barrel out of red oak, it just leaks. Yeah, it just leaks. It just leaks. <laughs> it's just leak, right? And and white oak is unique. There's a couple of species of of oaks. Um, Corcus alba, which is our American white oak that we're talking about, um, has a what it does is when it when it produces little wood cells, you know, and you can actually visually you can see this if you you know if you looked at a cross section of piece of wood, but what it does is it it as those as those cells age, they're produced this year, you know, uh, we're in the fall right now doing this podcast, right? So the trees have grown a certain amount in diameter because it put on one 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 year's worth of growth, one ring of yeah. wood. Well, what after this year, what white oak will do is it produces a substance that fills all those cells in that wood. And that's what keeps it from leaking. It's called tylosis is a technical name for it, mm-hmm. but it fills all those cells uh, so they won't leak liquid. Sure. Right? It, red oak doesn't do that. Yeah, uh, you can take a piece. Uh, we do this with kids all the time. We'll take a little, a little dowel or a little stick of red oak. Uh, you know, that's like a, a, you know, half inch square all the way around and maybe four inches long, right? And dip one in in, in soapy water, and you can make bubbles with it. Right, right? Yep. blow right through it. Yep. You try to do that, the you know, with white oak, and you pop your ears. Right. <laughs> so there's no, you won't any air go through it. So that's why you white oak it makes a very very good tight barrel. Right. And that's why I choose for that. Plus, the flavor profile gives you, you right. know, um, it tends to be, like I said, 70% of the taste. Foreign guys don't like to hear this, but it's coming out of that bourbon, that, that, sure. the barrel. And and the wood, it's, it's you know, it's it's mellowing the taste out, those kind of things. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, French oak gives the gives the wine guys certain things, right? Sure. Gives them a butterscotch, you know, uh, white oak gives the vanilla flavor, you know. So all the congeners that you must that, have. Yeah. All that stuff, you know, which, yeah, as a forester, I knew nothing about all that, right? So it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting to be adopted into this industry. Right? Sure, yeah, yeah. All this. But, um, but so the bottom line is, you know, um, the, the white, I tell everybody, you know, when I, we first started reporting on this, uh, the, the, you know, the, the cost data and, you know, the prices going up and, yeah. you know, we got problems with regeneration. Last thing I wanted to do is be, you know, the, you know, chicken little with the skies falling because sure. we got lots of white oak out there sure. and that's going to stay with us. But, you know, it's, it's looking down the road. 30, 50 years, 80. And for a, for a forest, that's nothing. Right. 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 Yeah, to you yeah. and me, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, we can't make it to that long. But, <laughs> yeah, but, man. but trees, I mean, white oak lives, you know, two, I mean, you know, white oak can, t- can live 450, yeah. 500 years old. A lot yeah. of the forests we've got that you walk through are over stories or, you know, upland sites, right. Or, you know, in the mountains and those kind of things or the Ozarks or whatever they're, you know, those Ozarks are going to be 80 years old. So 80 is nothing. You know, yeah, it's it's a lot for us, but for forests, biologically, it's not. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And so, if you want, if you want our oak forest and white oak to be there, fifty hundred years from now, you know, to give us clean water, wildlife habitat, and wildlife food, and yeah. urban, sure, right? yeah, right, <laughs> and flooring and those kind of things, you got to manage it now. Yeah, because if you wait till then, it's too late. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. 
Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Have you had, when you're, when you're going to these places and, and you guys are you're speaking to people about, about this initiative, have you had pushback? Have you had you know, eye rolls and, or, or people pretty understanding and, and, and on board with it you right know, away? Yeah, so that's a great question because, uh, so no, the reception has been really good. Yeah. And the reason it has is we've led with data. You know, we've left with facts. Yeah, right. You know, it's not just me going around there saying, "Hey, we got a problem." Sure. Here's the fact. We show we show them. Here's the data. Here's here's what here's what is telling us there's going to be an issue. So we show them that, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you go to whiteoakinitiative.org, you'll see there's a there's a really great video that talks about you know the the why the white oak initiative exists. Real, you know, short one, two, three minutes. But there's some there's some also statistics there that that if you look at it, you know, you go, okay, now, and then we explain it. You can say, okay, here's the issue. Yeah. Like if one good one that works is a lot of people can understand it is if you look at the age of our forest, like I said, a lot of them are, you know, that 60, 80, 100 year old overstory. And, and so we know how many millions of acres is covered with that. But when you also look at how many acres are covered with 10 year old forest mm-hmm. or 20 year old forest, yeah. you know, it's like nothing. Right. And so you can see just from that, you go, wait a minute, as these forests age, you know, aging's good, no problem with that, right? They're getting bigger, older, whatever. Sure. Species start to die. Yeah. White oak will hang around for a long, long time. So that's good, right? Um, some of the other oaks not so long, right? Um, but but it hang around a long time. So we can benefit from that. I mean, yeah. it'll be a great thing, you know, that they'll hang around, but eventually they will start to die. They'll they'll start to get hollow and rotten, you know. Um, just Mother Nature doing her thing, you know. Sure. We're we're gonna continue to harvest out of that, right? Right. And if you don't have the acres coming behind it, you wind up with this whole bunch of acres of really old forest and nothing coming in. Yeah, nothing, yeah. Right. And so that that when you look at the graph that shows that, you can see that, oh well, we got a sustainability problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, right. Yeah. And it's, you know, people um I don't know that, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I don't know that conservation uh, and sustainability long-term, they kind of go hand in hand, but they're, they're kind of two different things, right? So conservation, the way to look at it, so preservate, so preservation where you do nothing, basically, you try to keep it in place, right? right? And, you know, that's really hard to do. You got climate change coming, sure. right? You got invasive species, things that we're doing, you right. know, that, that didn't get done a thousand years ago. Right. You know, we're, we're moving stuff around you know, like crazy on boats and ships and whatnot. And yeah. So there's always threats to the system. So you can't just benign neglect, yeah. right, is not going to get you where you want to be. Sure. You know, will the planet stop if we don't do any management? No, it won't, but it'll look different. You know? <laughs> it'll look yeah. different. So conservation is the use and management, okay. right? Right. You know, so, and that's what we're really talking about is conservation of the species. Let's use it. Let's manage it. Right. So we can have all the clean water and wildlife and the, yeah. the wood, you know, and but we realize we're going to use it when we do it. Right. Right. So it's responsible use of the forest. Is yeah. What it is. Will you send yeah. out um, like burn trucks? Do you get that involved? If somebody reached out and said, I've got I own 100,000 acres and I just want to be part of your thing. Is that part of the fund that goes towards yeah, it? Yeah. So we can we can. Well, so what happens is we don't the White Oak Initiative itself doesn't it has not to this point been funding a lot of activity. Okay. What we've been doing is try to coordinate it and make sure it's there. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Right. 
make sure that the state agencies got enough foresters, make sure there's enough money in there, contractors and all those kind of things that can go out and do the practices, yes. you know. The burnings in this, uh, is an, in, you know, I, I mentioned the fire, the importance of fire that plays ecologically and all this, right? Sure. So one of the one of the common questions I get is, okay, can we start burning the woods again? And in the in the proper way, prescribed right. burning. I'm not talking yep. about just throwing a match out of the car. No, yeah, yeah, burn I trailers and drippers and everything. Yeah. I mentioned that a while ago. I probably shouldn't have, but uh, <laughs> that was a bad thing. But but prescribed burning where you set it up. So it, that so the problem with the problem with burning is it is a, kind of a blunt instrument. Right. Yeah. There's other practices that that if I prescribe them for woods, man, I got a pretty good idea and be able to predict what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But with burning, it's it's a tougher thing. Sure. You know, plus you have the liability issue. So right. if you're the National Forest Service, for example, yeah, and you've got hundred thousand acres, right? Mm -hmm. And they're cont a lot of them contiguous, right? So we can do like landscape burning, you know, over time. They can do an agency like that can do it. But if you're talking about a landowner's got who's got 30 acres of woods um, and you're talking about burning, it's got neighbors all around it. So yeah. you could just, I mean, you got smoke problems. <laughs> what if it gets out? You got a liability issue. Yeah. I mean, just start burning people's houses down. It's yeah. That would be bad, right? <laughs> so that burning thing can be a part of what we're doing, but that's, we're not going to work ourselves out of it doing that either. Right. You know, that'd be like saying, okay, let's start grazing all the hogs back in the woods again. Right? Yeah. <laughs> just not, it's not going to happen. So it's a tool we use. Yeah. Um, but it's not the whole answer. Okay. Right. So you think this can be fixed? So um, technically, yes. We know the practice, we know what to do. So now it's a matter of penetration with landowners. Yeah. Right. How many landowners care? Right. How many are willing to do good for what, what I would consider to be just good forest management for, for us, sure. right? How many are willing to do that? Right. And so that's what motivates. Right. So we have in forestry now, uh, you know, we have human dimensions, people, right. That try to work and figure out, okay, what makes people perk up, right. Mm -hmm. what, what motivates them to sure. change their behavior, <laughs> do forest management. Yeah. Right. So, so from that standpoint, the, the biggest thing that, that, that is that, our biggest impediment here is is getting the woodland owners, which is you and I, in the east, right? Out west, you know, the federal government owns 60% of the forest out right. in the Pacific Northwest, right? Well, here it's you and me, right? So it's getting you and me to try to to try to realize the importance of this, you know, and get engaged in it, right? That's our biggest thing. Um, and like I said, it takes incentives to do that. And, and for something, you know, we've got a, a number of landowners that – that just want to do the right thing, want to be good conservationists, you know, want to have the wildlife, they want to have the clean water, right? Want yeah. to produce mm -hmm. the wood, you know, all those sure. kind of things. For a lot of woodland owners, wood is a secondary thing, right? They don't want to give it up, timber, yeah. right? But that's what their main objective for, right. for, for managing. But so you've got a number of those, but, and then you've got a number that are in the middle that are trying to figure out what to do, <laughs> you know, that if encouraged a little bit, right, yeah. get a little incentive, you know, get a little extra money for this or that that they can put into management, right? Right. Um, hunt, lease, whatever it might be, all those things, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and then you got, you got a certain percentage of them that it's just not, it doesn't, they don't care, not going to happen. Yeah. Right? So we're trying to figure that out now is what are the targets? What do we think we could do, you know? And the bad part about it is, from one standpoint, is no matter what we start doing now, it's it's going to take a while for it to, you know, yeah, for it to manifest yeah. itself, right? So that's the hardest thing in the eastern U.S. with hardwood forest, you know, with pine guys that are running under, you know, planted stick, slam a tree in the ground, you yep. know, 
seven, 10 years, do your first thinning, get a little money, right. you yep. know, cut the thing at 20 or 30. So that's within their planning horizon. You're 63, you say, hey, I might make it, right? You right, might yeah. be able to do this, right? <laughs> or it's something that easily translates into intergenerational transfer and sure. those kind of things. Right. With hardwoods, because it just takes longer, it's harder to get our attention. Right. Yeah. And I understand that. I mean, sure. totally. Makes sense. We're, that's yeah. why one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, because it's it's we understand the problem, but it's like, how you go about fixing it? And it's such a long time span. It is. It's, I, I figured a lot of your donations and people that are involved, it's got to go towards just preaching the word, just trying to get it out there. Right. Yeah. And a lot of it, a lot of it is like, we just developed a bunch of materials for, for woodland owners, right. Mm-hmm. They're going to be used by 17 or 18 state agencies that are involved. And they're going to start pumping that information out so that their foresters or they, as an agency, when they talk to landowners, they got some say, Hey, this explains what's going on in your woods. Right. Read this. Right. right. So they can understand. And it just tells a little story like I've told here, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. so they understand it. And then, and then we got, you know, resource information for them about, you know, here's what you do. Here's the right. practices. And, and then the forester can start talking about them, about how do we make it happen? Sure. So that's education. Just like we've got to believe it or not, this is a, we, this, this last year in, in the Congress, yes, in the, in the federal, in the Congress, they, they have a white oak caucus, right? <laughs> so there's a, yeah, there's a number of uh, bipartisan, Right. Um, and, and you've got, uh, you know, representatives in there from, of course, from Kentucky, because the distilling is a big thing. Sure. Andy Barr is, you okay, know, yeah. is and, he, and uh, you know, he helped form that. Uh, but, you know, you've got you got senators in there from Missouri, California, because the wine. Right. Sure. They yep. get mm-hmm. barrels. Right. Yep. And so uh, they've come together. And just to make sure that from a federal legislation standpoint or the farm bill, for example, you know, for money for conservation practices, for right. agriculture, including forestry, you know, and make sure it's there. Right. So it's got a little bit of tension on Capitol Hill. You know, it's that's very doesn't yeah. happen all the time. No, it's exciting. Good. It's hard to break in there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So the uh, I, I understand that the you know the process for kind of fixing this problem is is complex and it's it's gonna be a long term thing. Um, has anything like this been done with any other species of tree or plant or is there anything that this this being modeled after or is this something new? And I, I ask because we have examples on the, the wildlife conservation side with a you know getting wild turkey back, you know, repopulated. Same with white-tailed deer, bring elk back to um, the Kentucky Avalon. now. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, well, yeah we started out with, a, we put a broad 1,000 of them in. We got 13,000 running all willy-nilly yeah, right. Right, now, right So is there anything like that similar that, that you guys are patterning, or is this completely new that you guys are having to do? Yeah, so, yes, there is an example. Okay. Um, and I'll give you one example from the south. It's longleaf pine. Yeah. It's a longleaf pine initiative. They were the first, I think, foreign, I'll probably get this wrong, I want to say 15, 20 years ago. Okay. okay? And what they, their problem was uh, that longleaf pine, largely the, the, the range of it, the amount of it out there had really diminished, mm-hmm. right? Um, a lot of longleaf pine ground got converted over. Uh, they use it for naval stores. They cut it, use it for naval stores. You know, that's a, you know, turpentine, right? Sure. Yep. Comes from, those kind of things. And then, um, and it got replanted into like loblolly pine. You know, those Stuff, yeah. So there's a, been a big push in the South, purely from a conservation standpoint, to get longleaf reestablished. Okay. And it's been pretty successful, okay. right? We have longleaf farms in Charleston. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's an example where there was a tree species, right? Mm-hmm. That was under duress, right. right? And brought it back. Now, What's interesting, what, where this differs from that is longleaf pine doesn't have a, doesn't have a lot of interest from industry, right? Okay? It's mainly a conservation issue, right? Um, but with white oak, all of a sudden now you've got a species um, that there's a lot of commercial interest in. So now you've got a, a slew of partners 
that are willing to go to bat for this, right? Yeah. And money always talks. I mean, right? Yeah. What if and what if we could work a system here in White Oak where it's it's market driven? You know, it's it doesn't require you know the, the we talk about federal government assistance and stuff, but really, you know, what we need here is partnerships and you know and and market driven solutions, right? To help right. all this get done. Yeah. And if you've got an industry that needs it, man, you got an opportunity for that to happen, and we're seeing that. So. The Longleaf Initiative is is a good example of that. Okay. Recently, there was one form called the Short Shortleaf Pine, is a is a southern yellow pine, you know, that mm-hmm. grows in the northern part of of the of the South. Okay, you know, Tennessee, you know, in the mountains in Appalachia, a little sure. bit in Kentucky, and and there's been a initiative put together to try to to keep it around. It's red cockaded woodpecker habitat that they love. I they see. love shortleaf yeah. pine, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's a lot of conservation reasons again to help the shortleaf pine, but white oak. Yeah, and White Oaks Range. I mean, if you if you look at the range map for White Oak, where it naturally occurs, I mean, all the way up the Lake States, all the way down to you know into Alabama, right? You know, and from the Ozarks over to the Appalachians, it's a big area, sure. You know, compared to like Longleaf Pine, right? Right. right. So White Oak touches a big geographic, a huge, yeah. You know, so now you've got something that impacts a significant area, you know. And what's funny, I'll mention this real quick in case there's anybody that listens from Missouri and the Ozarks, right? Okay. So. Um, you know, as you move west in the U.S., in the eastern U.S., you know, and you start to decrease rainfall. And what that means is the soils aren't generally as productive, okay? Yeah. And so forests in the in the Ozarks, for example, will regenerate white oak better mm-hmm. by themselves uh, compared to, like, the Appalachian Mountains you know, or in between you know, where we right. are here in Kentucky. Um, and so what happens is we will have land out, we will have forest out there that will continue to regenerate white oak. They're on a little poor site. Um, white oaks can tolerate that. Some of the competitors, like we talked about before, like beech and maple, you know, can't tolerate that very well, right? Mm, yeah. So in, in drier forest, um, like the Ozarks, a good example, you'll have a lot more white oak and it will sustain itself, right? And so we know all this. So we can target and say, okay, they're doing fine here, yeah. right? But yeah. over here, they're not, right? And so we recently, the white oak condition, one of the things it did do uh, through, we got, grants to fund this from the, from the forest service. And, and, and what we did was we developed a, and you can get a copy of this at the, at the, um, um, whiteoakinitiative.org, uh, website, but we developed a basic, basically an assessment and a conservation strategy for white oak, right? So here's where it's not regenerating. Here's where we need to help it. Here's yeah. where we can't help it. No matter what, let's forget it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's sites in the Ozarks where we're good, yeah. you know? And here's what we knew need to do in between. So we've done that kind of base work that tells us where we need to be focusing our efforts. Yeah. Geographically. Perfect. I think like every question I had, you answered along the way here. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, know, that's good. Hard, that's it's perfect. That's awesome. Um, is this going to be have to be a continual thing, or, or will there be a, will there be a certain point in time where you will be able to sit back and obviously maybe not us, maybe it's maybe it's my kids or. Um, where we'll be able to step back and go, we've done, been, you know, doing whatever the White Oak Initiative has prescribed for for this long, and we're going to be good now. Or is yeah. this going to be a continual thing for? Yeah. So I can I can let's let's get this fixed and go fishing. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the way to think, I mean, it's a great question, right? And and so one answer is, like, let's say you're a woodland owner, okay, and um, you spend, you know, let's say we spend some time, uh, five, ten, fifteen years where we do some practices to get the little oak seedlings and saplings growing, you know, 
And uh, we've got a mature overstory and we're ready to do a harvest, right? And we take some of it off or all or whatever, right? If you set that stand up with, with the seedlings and the saplings in there large enough, right? Right, right. Then when you regen, what we call regenerate the woods, right? It could be from a tornado or hurricane, right? So when that happens and that light hits the big light, you know, hits the ground and that you get a new age class going, yeah. then the oaks will take care of themselves. So now we can walk away from it. You know, gotcha. Okay. My forestry buddies are just going to, if they were here, one of them would smack me in the back of the head because, <laughs> you know, you, you got to do continuous management. There are things you can do to help the white oak trees that you've established. Certainly, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But once you get that regeneration going and set up right, mm -hmm. right, then that that new age class will have that white oak in it. Right. That will that will ultimately mature. Right. So you can take a little break and say, OK, we got the regeneration going. Sure. Now we can set for a little bit. Sure. Right? OK. And you could do that in the U.S. if we could get on it quick enough. If every landowner would start to do all this stuff, you know, 15, right. 20 years from now, we'd be able to set back a little bit. Right. Okay, the thumbs up, we're, we're good, you know. So it'll be a continuous process. I see. You know? So a White Oak Initiative, uh, this is probably my fault for not digging more into the website, but um, is it just state agencies that are pushing this or are there grassroots efforts to get out and, you know, have people volunteer to get out and spread this kind of information? Or Yeah. yeah? That's a great question. So, yeah. So right now, because uh, to, to get this started, uh, we really need to, to have the attention of those that had the the the, the resources, if you will, to yeah. help us get it get it going. Right. So that's the big distilleries. Sure. Right. That's, uh, you know, the pulp and paper companies, uh, big forest management companies, all those kind of things. Yeah. Right. Right. And so uh, and in the organizations, you know, whether they're universities or things like, you know, the you know, um, you know, whitetail and this and that, you know, and, and yep. rough grouse, and national turkey, you know, turkey federation. So you need those kind of entities start getting the word out. Right. Yeah. And so we've done, we've done that. We've done a pretty good job of got everybody's attention, started to create, started to create the, the resources, the training, like I said, logger training, so get all that going. Right. And so now it's, now it's uh, the kind of the next step is to get state level engagement, right. Mm -hmm. to, to let's start working at state level. So make sure you've got everything in place. You're getting the word out, right? right all yeah, those yeah. kind of things. People are coming forward and say, "Hey, I want to put a, a do some white oak work. I want to have. I, I'm a woodland owner. I've been doing some white oak work, and I want to. Can we use it for a demonstration? Mm -hmm. Right, course, right. So sure. others can see it. So that's where we're at now. Is trying. We're at the we're at the beginning stages of trying to put that. To yeah, work, good. You know, very cool. That's very great. cool. Well, well, you want to put out how. I don't want to take up your whole day here. You want to put out how people, if they want to get involved, uh, yeah, so dot org. But yeah, the good good way to do it right now. So whiteoakinitiative.org, You can go there, okay, and uh, go to the website, and you can sign up for a. We've got a we've got a an e news that goes out. Okay, right? okay. So that's one way to do it. So get signed up for that, right? You get that. We, we won't bombard you. It's not happening every two days, right? So <laughs> yeah. this is don't don't panic, right? Um, but but that will allow you to say here, hey, here's what's going on, right? You know, and so you can stay up to you know up to speed on you know what's happening and that kind of thing. So uh, there are ways you can participate. That the biggest way in my mind is to just understand if you're a landowner, understand some of what we've been talking about, yeah. right? You know, um, and that that newsletter is one way to do it, right? There's stuff on there. There'll be materials on our website for landowners. We're fixing to put all that up there. So okay. if you're a woodland owner. Right, involved in uh, involved in 
and thinking about you might be interested in doing this. We'll have all that information there, okay. you know, so they can see what's up, right? right? And ultimately, it's call your local forester, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, and get some technical help because, I mean, we've been talking there how many minutes, right? Me trying to explain this thing, right? right? Yeah. It's, a, it's like, oh, plant a tree and I'll be okay. It's no, not it's not easy. a sound bite. Yeah, yeah, I can't. It's not an elevator <laughs> thing, right? It's not a. It's not a sound bite, unfortunately, because it'd be easier to sell. If it would, of course, yeah. You know, but um, but. You know, and get them, get them, get them interested, and get understand what they can do, and get a hold of your state agency forester, or your local industry forester, or consulting forester, whatever sure. that can help you get started with all this. Okay. So, one more. What's the worst case scenario? Nobody does anything. Nobody does anything. Okay. Nobody does anything. Um, so, oh, slowly over time, you know, you're going to see a decrease in the amount of white oak and oaks in general in the woods. Okay. It'll be a gradual. It's one of those things I'll sneak up. You won't know it, yeah. right? Yeah. It'll, it'll, it all looks good. And then, you yeah. know, if you, if you woke up Rumpelstiltskin and woke up 80 years later, hundred, yeah. whatever, you go, wow, this looks different. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to see a, a, a decrease in oaks in general, including white oak in our forest. So, well, so what? Well, uh, less white tails, less sure. turkey. Yeah. All those things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, less wood to be available at the price point that you got it now. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's what's going to happen, but it'll happen over time. Yeah. Okay. It's a slow thing. Um, climate change is coming. We've, we've got at, at our university as well as others, but we've got, we just hired a, a faculty member a couple of years ago that deals with climate change and what we call adaptive management. How do you manage knowing that this is what the climate's going to look back look yeah. like, you know, depending on what model you're looking at. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. sure. Um, because all the science tells us it's heading that way and we've got to go on science, right? So that's yep. what we're going to do. So, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out what, what we need to be doing now to deal with things like that. Yeah. You know, luckily white Oak's pretty resilient. It's a little tough character, you know, sure. uh, it's having trouble regenerating, but once you get the critter out there, it can, it can handle a little drought. It can handle a little disturbance, which, you know, that's, you know, you're going to have, uh, you know, the, you know, if you look at climate change, a little droughtier, you know, sure. hotter, this and that. In Kentucky, we're going to get just as much rainfall. Might be a little wetter, but it'll come in in buckets, yeah. you know, instead of you know a slow release, right? Yeah, right. So, <laughs> um, you know, and but and White Oak can handle some of that, thank goodness, right? Mm-hmm. But there will be changes in other, you know, other states and other places. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a Mother Nature is a little complex little thing. Oh, for sure. sure. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of what we've been talking about, right, is just Mother Nature doing her little ecological thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's not simple, you know, but in a way it is. And the simple part of it is, look, if we need to be taking care of our forest, we, we need to understand, you know, how to manage them. Right. right? So it gives them, the, it gives society the maximum benefits we can get. Certainly there are areas where we shouldn't touch it. Right. Let's just let our mother nature do her thing. Right. You know, wilderness area, we, you know, really special biological sites where you just don't touch it. Right. Sure. Yep. But the rest of it, you know, we need to be thinking about what we're doing and managing. And, and so the take home message is pretty simple, you know, manage it, think about, conserve your woods, use them and manage them. Right. You know, just like any other resource we have. Yeah. You know, that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Through that management, we'll right. get there. And that's the sound bite. <laughs> <laughs> that's the sound bite. Awesome. Well, well, Dr. Stringer, we appreciate this a lot. Yeah. Thank you for coming on and, and, and sharing this with us. We've been kind of talking around this for months and, and letting people know you were going to be on. Um, like, like you said, it's something we can certainly get behind of a lot of great organizations. And I think having those organizations that are a part of this initiative, 
um, really catches people's attention. And I think will help people realize that this is something that's important. So thank you for uh, coming on and, and educating us. And you know, one guy in particular is going to love this podcast. Oh yeah. One of our, <laughs> one of our good friends is he actually helps us make all of our, uh, helps us. He makes our game calls for us. Um, he graduated from uh, NC state. Uh, and he's a, he's a forward, he's in forestry as well. And uh, he's going to, he's going to love this podcast. Spends all day in the woods, gets excited. He'll find something on a chopping block and be like, Oh, look at this. This is some rare piece of this wood and how it grew. And he, he it's, it's fun. He's fun to talk to. Well, that's good. Well, I appreciate being here and, and the opportunity, a lot of what we've been doing, you know, a lot of what I've been doing as part, you know, at the university is, you know, you make people aware of issues, right? So we can develop solutions. And, and so then things like this is a part of it. I appreciate you guys. And, you know, Whiskey and Whitetail's doing what you're doing, you know, give us a little time to talk about these things and yeah, help get the word out. Yeah, Absolutely. if you ever, things ever develop and you, you'd like to, to share something new or share more information, just give us a shout. We'll have you back on anytime. Well, that's one of those things where we talk about this long process, you know, but check in in a couple of years. We'll see where we're at. Sounds right. good, yeah. Let's we'll do it. We'd love to. <laughs> thank you. All right, thank awesome. you. Thank you. Y'all have a good day. spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.